Scott Allen. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in this beautiful world. My name is Scott Allen, and I am the host of Phronesis, Practical Wisdom for Leaders. I am an associate professor of management at John Carroll University in Cleveland, Ohio, USA. I'm an author, an entrepreneur, a speaker, a nonprofit founder, and the host of two podcasts. I'm also a husband and dad of three. You just heard from Kate, my daughter, who wrote and performed the Phronesis intro. Phronesis offers a smart, fast-paced discussion on all things leadership. My guests are scholars and practitioners, and we cover timely, relevant topics and incorporate practical tips designed to help you make a difference in how you lead and live. Now, I am proud to share that Phronesis is the official podcast of the International Leadership Association, an association that is near and dear to my heart. ILA brings together leaders and those who teach, study, and develop leadership, advancing leadership knowledge and practice for a better world. Learn more at ilaglobalnetwork.org. If you like what we're up to, please click subscribe so you can stay up to date as we release new episodes each week. You can also share what we're up to with others. And now, today's show. Okay, everybody. Today, from Kansas City, we have Doug Lindsay. And he is a man of many hats, of a varied background, military, has taught at the Air Force Academy, has taught at Penn State. And really where we're going to focus a lot of our energy today is that he is the editor of the Journal of Character and Leadership Development. And that's really what I would really hope we can spend a lot of our time on today, Doug, because I think you have a very, very interesting perspective. You have an interesting view and purview on the literature right now. And I'm very, very excited to have this conversation. I've been having this conversation with some other editors too. So I'm going to let you know, this is an exclusive, right? I, I've spoken with <laughs> Jonathan Reams from Integral Review, and I've spoken with Jeannie Foray at Journal of Management Education, John Antonakis at LQ. So I'm really, I think I'm going to have about a week of these just you know, release them and there'll be some of the major journals in the space. Jackie Bruce from Journal of Leadership Education. So it's been a lot of fun, Doug. And why don't you tell listeners a little bit about you? Thank you for being here, sir. And uh, I'll turn it over. No, it's my pleasure. I uh, appreciate the opportunity, Scott. This is a, a, a lot of fun. It's always uh, nice to be in uh, in good company and, and company of uh, individuals that you respect. So this is uh, this is fun. I can tell you a little bit about kind of my background and how I got to where I'm at right now, if that would be yeah. helpful. Um, I, I think I've always been interested in kind of the leadership space and the character space, although I probably didn't know it early on. Um, yeah. I, I fascinated from the standpoint of the people dynamic and the person and how that is. And so uh, growing up, trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I, I decided that I would go into the military and I did that through the Air Force Academy. And while I was there, had the first of many kind of career dilemmas trying to figure out, I'm sitting there, go to the Air Force Academy. What are you going to do in the Air Force? You're going to fly. Yes. So I was met with this opportunity. It's like, hey, you got a pilot slot. I did well enough where I got that. Uh, they're, they're, they were pseudo competitive based on where you stand in the class. And I had this moment of, do I really want to be a pilot? I'd never really had to think about it because I always thought it was something that I was going to do. I was going to yeah. move on. And why else would you go to the Air Force Academy if you weren't going to be a pilot? Well, it turns out I decided that I didn't want to be a pilot. 
I wanted to do other things because I took this class from Fred Gibson, a gentleman uh, teaching on the faculty of the Air Force Academy in industrial and organizational psychology. Nice. And it fascinated me. Yeah. This linkage between kind of the business side of people and the actual side of people and yeah. how that goes and that, that kind of seam and where those frictions and where it rubs. And so that was where I got, got interested. I think I got the bug for that beginning. And so I got the unenviable task of going into my commander and saying, sir, I would rather not go to pilot training <laughs> and was met with some resistance, um, was told that if you quit this, Lindsay, you'll be a quitter your entire life. And I'm like, well, that's oh, not man. who I am. That's not who I am. And I'm going to move on and I'm going to be, I want to do what I want to do. And so I went on, got into the Air Force, became a behavioral scientist. Nice. And um, through that journey, was able to start out in the assessment side of things at the Occupational Measurement Squadron down in San Antonio, writing promotion tests and doing assessment and how do we um, promote people who need to be promoted and what yeah. does that even look like? Moved on from there. And I think that's where I got my appreciation for assessment and why that's important. And are we putting the right people on the bench? And then are we putting the right people in the game when they need to, to, to do that? Nice. Right is a subjective term, and we can dig deep into that. But I would maybe maybe we'll say appropriate person at, at yeah. the time. From there, I went on to basic military training, and I worked there for several years, moved into the Air Force Research Lab, looking at some of the human components of uh, selection and assessment, moved on to recruiting service. So spent a lot of time in this human space of, even though I was in the military, but in this human space of human capital development and how yeah. do we develop people and what does that look like and where do we put people and how do you take 30,000 people that you're bringing into the Air Force in any given year and get them in the right buckets? Very difficult, as you can imagine, uh, yeah. to, uh, to do that. From there, I ended up going to Ohio, up to Wright-Patterson and worked in the research lab there, did some human factors, uh, research, design, display characteristics, that kind of thing. Again, keeping in mind the idea of the human in the loop, the human in the aspect of that. Went on uh, from there, was selected to get a master's degree, got that in experimental psychology in, at the uh, University of Texas, and then got my first foray back at the Air Force Academy uh, on faculty. So my second time there, first time as a faculty member, and really got the appreciation for teaching and bringing the academic side of things. And how do I look at people who are very much need an educational background, but are going to be very much at the applied side? These are people, cadets who are going to be serving in the Air Force yeah, and, and being officers and leading people right away. And then had the opportunity to go get my PhD. And so I went to Penn State. Yeah. And got my PhD in IO psychology, got to study under folks like Jim Farr, Dave Day, Rick Jacobs, Jan Cleveland, Kevin Murphy, lots of great minds thinking oh, about yeah. selection, assessment, teams, all that goodness. And so yeah. got really fired up there about uh, that idea and, and really, again, rejuvenated that idea of the science and practice, right? We always talk about the yeah. science practice gap. And really, it wasn't so much a science practice gap. Mm -hmm. It was just a not a, 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 an under, a misunderstanding of maybe what the applied side needs, what the academic side does, and really bringing those together. And I got to, because I was in, in the Air Force and didn't look like the other traditional students, I just came at it from a different way. Yeah. I was a almost 40-year-old, 38-year-old sitting in class with 22-year-olds going, wow, what am I doing here? And it was just fascinating, just the whole dynamic, because they were look, get, trying to get driver's license and I was trying to you know, develop my career. And it was just fascinating time. And then from there, I went back to the Air Force Academy where I spent almost another decade on the faculty there, became a, pro, a full professor there, deployed once uh, in Afghanistan. So got to really use that 
retired out of there in about 2014. Okay. And then uh, went to Penn State, had an opportunity to go there. And one of the things that I was always kind of sour on was, since I'm a traditionalist and grew up in residential education, was online education. Ah. Because about that time, um, there were more effective programs and less effective programs. And I'm like, well, I could sit there and either badmouth this stuff and not understand it or jump right in and figure out what's going on. So I helped them develop a master's program, an online master's in the psychology of leadership, very much yeah. on a, a human-centered focus. Uh, stood that up, got that going for about three years, and then headed back to the Air Force Academy and had the opportunity to take over the editorial role of the Journal of Character and Leader Development, which ironically, when I was back at the Air Force Academy um, in 2010, co-founded that with uh, Joe Sanders uh, back in the day as a faculty member, trying to get it going. It had kind of limped along and done different things for the, the, the decade. And then I had an opportunity to kind of come back and uh, and then run it. And so I've been doing that for about two and a half years. So can jump in and out of there anywhere. But that whole idea was, how does the human and the context and fit into each other. And that's why I really love that the I and the O side of, of psychology and that human piece and how do we make businesses happy and people happy and all that kind of stuff and, and, and get goodness from a result of that. So <laughs> I love it. Well, and for the listeners right now, it, we should have this, this should have been a, an on-camera interview because Doug's hands are moving all over the place. He's into this. <laughs> it's awesome. As he's explaining everything, just imagine his hands moving around. And I, I love your passion. I love your passion because I agree with you. It's a fascinating puzzle. How do we, how do we help individuals who are assuming formal or informal roles of leadership succeed in these very complex, very difficult, challenging, uh, sometimes life or death situations. But even if you're going to lead Key Bank today, that's, that's incredibly challenging. It's incredibly complex. So in your role now, what are you seeing come in? What are some themes you're seeing in the literature that you find intriguing or exciting? And you know, what are some opportunities? Maybe we can get there in a little bit. What are some opportunities that maybe gaps that you see that people could be exploring? You'd like to see more of it. That's a great question. And and I'll, I'll take a little bit of a step back uh, and, and tell you a little bit about the, the Journal of Character and Leader Development. Great. We, we are necessarily different. And that's not always maybe a, a good thing for, for people, but we love to be necessarily different because while we're based out of a military service academy, the Air Force Academy, we don't want to be relevant just to the military, just to the Air Force. We want to be able to contribute to the large community of um, on, on leadership and character development. Yeah. And so we're necessarily different in the fact that we tend to focus more on the applied side of things, the so what aspect of it. And so, Great. you know, kind of a la Ed, Ed Shine and his work on culture. He's very evidence-based, but focus is trying to be very practically relevant. One of the things that I always noticed when I was going through my, my graduate work and trying to figure that out was we would spend inordinate amount of time trying to figure out a very statistically significant effect size. And while those effect sizes are important, what does that actually mean, though? The yeah. applied side of me would say, okay, so what? I know it's important. It's valid. All that's – I agree. Yes, but how do we translate and translate that in a way that a leader, either a current or a future leader, is going to sit there and go, I see myself in that. I yeah. see why that effect size, that difference in 
moving my awareness of my identity as a leader is going to be important in help shaping me and helping me to develop better teams and be a, a, a better leader overall. So we really wanted the Journal of Character and Leader Development to be in there. And so with that being necessarily different, we have a theme that we put each of our issues uh, on, on each of our issues. Yeah. And we do that intentionally so that we can bring thoughts and minds together around a particular topic. So you mentioned kind of what are some of those trends and, and, and things that we're seeing? Yeah. One of those we saw was assessment, right? There have been a lot of people uh, that have written on the, the validity of, you know, are we doing good things as a, a leader development community? People are making lots of money. People are going through a lot of courses, but are we really seeing the return on investment? Are we seeing the return on uh, really impact as the people tra- uh, matriculate back into their organizations? Yep. And, and we weren't seeing that. So we did a, an issue on assessment where we tried to reach out to people and go, okay, what are we learning from the communities of, of academics, the military, sports, nonprofit, business? Nice. And, and so being intentional about uh, not just you know, having people submit to us, but reaching out and saying, okay, what are we seeing regarding assessment? So one of the things we know, say for around coaching, yeah. the Door Institute down at Rice University is doing lots of great work on coaching, coaching the students. Yeah. And so we reach out to them and go, what are you guys finding about assessment? What do we, what's moving the needle and what's doing that? So to your point about what are some of those trends that we're seeing, we try to be a little proactive in when we see a trend or when we see something, a gap, we try to put a special issue out on that. So, but a, I would say a themed issue, every one of our issues is kind of a special issue by default. Yeah. And so the one that we have coming up in June is going to be the future of character and leader development. So huh. what do we need to be thinking about, right? There's, there's this kind of juxtaposition of what do leaders need now? Yeah. What kind of skills and behaviors do they need to be doing now? And then what do they need to know in the future, what are we thinking about things like innovation and yep. complexity and all those, the great scholarship that's being done on that. But what we also know is character matters. That's not going to change, yep. right? Uh, understanding the character and, you know, who we are is how we're going to lead. I go back to some of Hogan and Kaiser's work, you know, yep. who you are is how you lead. Yeah. That is where we're at. And if we don't understand that, who I am is how I lead is not going to change 10 years from now, right? Yep. I still got to know that. I still got to be understanding. We're, you know, people throw VUCA and all these terms out there about what, what, the, what life is like. You know, VUCA is VUCA, man. We're, we're in that all the time now. We need to stop talking about that because that just seems to be normal now. What's the next VUCA, right? Super VUCA. Right. There you go, right? It's, but, and, and I liked, I wrote a little while ago about this idea of it's not just VUCA, like V-U-C-A. It's V-U-C-A with an H on the end because we have to understand the humanity of it. So wow. it's VUCA with an H because if we don't understand, it's not just about things being volatile and, and uncertain and complex uh, and, and need to be you know, adaptive, we got to understand the humanity side of that. What, are the, what is the toll on leaders? What is the toll on our organizations for the people that have to live in that? Yep. And, and so it, it's much broader than that. And so I don't know if that really kind of gets at what you were asking about, yeah, but yeah. our natural approach to scholarship and how we do the journal is wrapped up into that idea of trying to constantly think about what are those gaps and then reach out to people and say, Hey, what do we need to, what do we need to know about this? And we've uh, aligned an editorial board as all journals do that kind of help keep us in check with that on, on, are we uh, staying grounded in that? Talk about the future. The, this issue coming up in June, 
I am assuming some articles have been submitted and, and that that's in the pipeline and closer to ready to go. What are you seeing? What can we look forward to in that issue? That's a great question. And it's a it's an evolving uh, thing that we're looking on. One of the sub themes that we've gotten in there is this kind of idea of ethics. Mm. And uh, when we talk about character, a lot of times, you know, there's there's ethics, there's character, there's leadership. How do all those things get in there? And so one of the articles that we've got in there is uh, by a gentleman named uh, uh, Kirk Hansen. It's a book called Rotten. Yeah. And it's about uh, why uh, corporate misconduct continues and what to do about it. So uh, one of the articles in there is going to be that idea of what are some of these this this ethical dilemmas that leaders are going to face no matter what. And yeah. so uh, uh, Kirk is going to be writing something for us that focuses on, you know, what do leaders need to know when they when they approach work? We know there are going to be ethical dilemmas, right? Yep. So how do we prepare people in advance? So if we know it's going to happen, how do we step back into our educational and developmental practices to create opportunities, go through dilemma training or not training, but those dilemma um, um, sorting out so that when they actually face them, they've got a few reps under their belt, at least cognitively, if yeah. not behaviorally, so that they know uh, what to do with that. So that's one of them. We're also going to be talking to uh, Reginald Miller, who is the uh, chief diversity officer for McDonald's, talking about, you know, McDonald's has a, a very diverse workforce. They always have. And yeah. so how do they use that as a leverage and a strength opportunity moving forward? We know organizations like Walmart, McDonald's, a lot of the senior leaders that kind of end up in that organization, I think even within Walmart, it's like 70% of their senior leaders worked at Walmart in one capacity and kind of worked their way up into those wow. le those roles. So, you know, what is it are they seeing about diversity moving forward that's going to help them become more effective? And what are they doing to really maximize that diversity and be inclusive in as they move forward in an organization? So it's kind of looking at some of those ideas. How do things change? But how, how do some of those common themes are still going to be relevant? It's not like 10 years from now is going to be totally different than today. It will be different. Like the COVID environment we're working on remotely is different, but it's not totally different. Yeah. You still got to understand people. You still got to understand your processes. You still got to understand that who is on your team, but how we go about doing that might be a little bit different. So that functionality piece is, is what we're focusing on. So those are some of the things that, uh, that we're trying to look at to see for that issue. So a couple of things real quick for listeners, can anyone submit an article to the journal or do you have to be approached to write for the journal? Are these themed issues invite only every time? How does that work for listeners? No, that's a great idea. And so I would say it's a combination of both. Okay. So people can submit absolutely okay. uh, like a traditional journal. And then we're also going out and, and reaching out to specific people who might shed a context or some their expertise on that. So we might reach out to uh, people and say, hey, would you contribute? Uh, people are busy. And so sometimes we do much like what you're doing with the podcast, we do conversations. So getting, you know, Reginald Miller's time at McDonald's is, is, is um, uh, hard to get. So yeah. having him be able to sit down and write something as a practical, but we do a, an inter a conversation with him, and then we're able to transcribe that and get that in there as well. So uh, both both ways are, are are an option. Oh, that's awesome! I had a fun conversation with Bob Reamer, probably you know seven episodes ago, and and we, you know we were talking about you'd mentioned flight training before. We'd we we were talking about flight training because he he would he went through flight training and. I was kind of, we had a really fun conversation. And when you step back and look at how we develop leaders, 
right? <laughs> Character and leader development. Uh, oftentimes, if we did the same for, for pilots, we'd be killing people. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. we, we'd literally kill a lot of people in the process. And because a lot of it is sitting in a room talking about it, and we don't have opportunities in the same way for simulations. I mean, there's assessment centers and there's some interactive activities we can do, but we can't necessarily put me in a simulator and have me go at it for three or four hours and put me in a bunch of different scenarios and situations over and over and over until I really, truly get it. Right. My mind a lot lately has been focused on I've kind of taken this little side tangent in this stream of technologies enabling disruption. And how will those, whether it's artificial intelligence, virtual augmented reality, sensor technology, how will those inform some of our work moving forward? How will those technologies enabling disruption help us do leader development, leadership development better? I think that's a fun, ripe, interesting space because I, I haven't seen a lot out there. Have you seen anything in this space yet? No, I, I haven't. And I think some of that, I think, is due to the cost associated with some of that technology. Oh, yeah. It makes it very difficult, right? And then trying to figure that out. We've learned a lot, you know, at least on the military side of things when we do simulations. And we've learned, you know, over time what type of fidelity you need within uh, situations to make it where you can kind of, you know, get the same type of impact, the same type of behavioral change. But what I think all of that augmented reality and AI and all of that's really all that does is help us get to more realistic and impactful repetitions. Yeah. The key with all of that, I think, is the repetition in the yep. development, right? So as we develop, you know, you look at David Day's stuff, he's done a lot about leading across the lifespan. And we yep. think about how that is. And we look at a lot of intersectionality about, you know, leadership is not the psychology domain. It is it is all domains uh, all the time, yeah. right? It's that interdisciplinary nature, transdisciplinary, and all of those together. But what it does is it helps with that repetition. It's the behavioral aspect of it. So that who I am is how I lead is not just a thought process. It's about what I do, right? And when we, yeah. when our intent and our actions align, right, that's where we start to get in those ideas of authenticity. Am I who I say I am? Am I showing up how I intend to show up at work? And so that's where I think a lot of that is where that's going to be important is understanding how we can get more of those reps. So I think you're yeah. absolutely right. We're going to do that. You see that in other domains like with social work where they've created things like virtual patients. So how can somebody who's going to get to be a mental health professional yep. through some sort of um, augmented reality, um, a VR, or just a computer-based program, treat patients or go in and talk to patients or clients and get those repetitions? So it's all yep. about how that's going to help us get to those repetitions. And so I think you're right. We're going to do that. We're understanding more of the neuropsychology behind things, how people think. So what kind of... How, how might AI help us pull information together, create a context, create a situation where a leader can get those behaviors? Because at the end of the day, it comes back to our behaviors. It comes back to what we do, not always our intent, because it's what we do. You know, it's yeah. not that, oh, do as I say, not what I do. No, 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 no. Right. As leaders, <laughs> we don't get to do that. Uh, it's all of that. Right. It's it, because it's what, what we see. So I think to the degree that type of reality the, the AI and, and the technology can help us with those repetitions, much like pilot training, right? There yeah. are some airplanes, some fighter uh, that, are, that are single seat. So the first time you fly that aircraft, it's solo outside the sim. 
Yeah. Talk about talk about you know uh, a very hyper aware situation yes. when you're doing that for the very first time. With and a I'm not going to dollar machine or whatever it costs, right? Exactly, right. And and I'm not a pilot, so I won't go too far out of my out of my wheelhouse. But that idea of what can we do with that with leader development? Because we know leader development is a multi billion dollar industry. Yeah. And so, how can we return that 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 what's that return on leadership? What's that return on impact? Um, that yep. we're getting, not just a return on investment, but the, the impact with that. And I think that's where that stuff is going to really help us. So we're not having to send people necessarily out for a week. We can have them kind of go through this real time. And then the second part to that is how how can it be integrated into the organization? So it's yeah. not a sterile course that we're taking or a sterile program. We have these realistic assignments, these authentic types of situations that are going to help us do that. So yeah. I think that'll be the key. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of totally how I think does. about it. I mean, it totally does. I mean, I see, and again, there's there's all kinds of very interesting ethical dimensions to this whole conversation once you start getting into some of these technologies. Like, you know, I, I, there was an article of, of maybe a year and a half ago that Amazon had fired, I forget it, maybe the, the, the algorithm fired 500 people, right? Because their productivity, the sensor technology was aware that their productivity was lower. Now, I don't know the ins and outs of that, but you can get to some really interesting places. Like if I have one of those, there's an Amazon device right now that will record my voice. If it's recording me all day long and I want to be known as an inspirational leader and no inspirational words are coming out of my mouth, I mean, (laughs) we can provide some real-time feedback and analytics to people. Or if a certain percentage of the words that came out of my, my mouth throughout the day were associated with any number of different factors, negativity or optimism. I mean, you could get to some really interesting places where people really have some real-time analytics on their behavior. But then, of course, you get into privacy and and some you would want people self-selecting into some of this stuff. But I just see so many different... I I want that holodeck, right? The Star Trek holodeck. I want that now for, for our work. Because I think, to your point, you know, you go back to the K. Anders Erickson work on deliberate practice... And, you know, at the time, repetition, real-time coaching and feedback and working on skills outside of your current ability level for decades. You world-class cellist, you know, at least what he found, time, repetition, real-time coaching and feedback and working on skills outside of your current ability level. Yep. And um, I think we have people, you know, partaking in the time and the repetition but oftentimes these these senior leaders in organizations may not be getting some of that real-time coaching and feedback and may not deliberately be practicing anything, whether it's their emotional intelligence. They're just getting through the day. So there's a missed opportunity there. But it's so much fun. It's such an interesting puzzle. And then back to the whole conversation around the assessment, you know, who should should be in these roles. What did you learn when you did that work, Doug? I'm, I'm taking us back to the beginning of the conversation, yeah. but what were some themes when it came to assessment? What were some things that stood out for you that you learned over the course of that experience? Uh, that's a great, it's a great question. I, I think it, it goes back to kind of one of those fundamental tenets of what you learn as you kind of go through becoming an IO psychologist is the difference between performance and development and why we're assessing. And I think organizations are, are very good at the assessment and collecting data. You're right. Yeah. We can provide analytics upon analytics about analytics, right? Yeah. There's so much information out there. And I, and I think where the disconnect with that oftentimes happens is that we're trying to 
collect this information. We say it's for development, but then we use it for performance evaluation. Uh, And that's where we get into trouble a lot of times. I think, I think we do, because if we don't understand the context of, of why things are happening, it really boils down to trust. I think a lot of times people have uh, trouble with their organizations because they're trying to go through these developmental opportunities, but then they're having their performance assessment based on that developmental opportunity. And they, and they can't be the same. They can't be done for the same reason because there's a, it's a bit disingenuous to say, Hey Scott, we want you to be open and honest, kind of open the kimono a bit and say, (laughs) here's who I am and here's what I'm struggling with. And then, oh, by the way, they're like, hey, Scott, we noticed you said you were struggling on this and you haven't really moved the needle on it, right? That's that's tough. And so I think oftentimes we uh, will, there will be a disconnect between what is actually measured versus what we actually want. um, Performance is easier to measure. Development is really hard to develop because, right, if we see a decrease in performance or a lack of performance, we can implement training and we can do some of that repetition and we can build, um, you know, mastery and, and competence in that area. Well, development's different, right? So like, like if we want to develop leadership, we can, there are certain things that we can say, here's some skills, communication, decision-making, team, teamwork. Those are very practical things that we can give you and say, Here's some tools for your toolbox. You can be a better leader. Anybody can be a better leader. With character, it's not yeah. the same, right? It's a developmental process that occurs over time. And so yeah. the Academy wrestled that with a long time. And so what they finally came up with was this idea of a leader of character framework. Yeah. And I don't know, Bob talked to, uh, about that when he was on, on here, but really to lay out what does it mean to be a leader of character? Because we know I can train you on tasks, but character is not a task. Yeah. Character is endemic to who we are. So how do I do that? And so we created a, a model that worked through that idea of what is a leader of character. So we have over 47 months. How are we going to help develop somebody, move the needle a bit on that idea of character? And so I drifted from your point a bit, but that idea of kind of understanding assessment and how does, what do we learn from that is that idea that selection and assessment will never be a perfect science. Yeah. We can be very good on certain tasks but it's really hard to assess for uh, the future in terms of what is that person uh, going to be able to grow into? What is the top line? What is that talent? The sports are, are, arena tries to do that, you know, because they always talk about what's their top. Their top is higher than this person's top. And it's like, yeah. uh, okay. I, and an assessment guy, I'm like, what? How does that, <laughs> how does that work? Right. How do you understand that this person's ceiling is higher than this one? So, it's that idea of we have to be just very intentional about our assessment efforts and what we're really trying to do. Yeah. Uh, because if we don't, we violate trust with the individuals very, very uh, early on. Yeah. And that's critical, that trust. Cause you're right. As soon as I don't have that any longer, I'm you're, you're now kimonos shot back up. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Because now I don't know, I don't know what, what's the game anymore. The game has yeah. changed. Yeah. You said one thing and, and another. So I have to be very, very guarded. And there's a host of other things that can, that can come into play at that point, counterproductive type behaviors that can really start to hurt teamwork and efficiency within an organization and leader yeah. effectiveness. Yep. Well, so as you think about the future of the journal, what are some topics that you hope to get to, that you hope to explore that are some cutting edge things or some tried and true topics that we just need to keep hammering away at that we just don't know enough yet? That's a that's a great question. I think one of the things that I want to get into is that idea that I think I mentioned earlier is the idea of 
current needs versus future needs. What not only what are things going to change in the future, but what are what are some things that are not going to change in the future? So what do we need yeah. to what do we need to be paying attention to long term that yeah. we need to continue investing in, but we'll also how can we augment that in terms of of what we're doing? I think that's important there. I think this idea of this shift of I think we're finally starting to move away from leadership as a position to yeah. leadership more of the individual. What do I bring to it? Uh, I can be a leader anywhere. That yeah. idea of leader identity, I think that's important. And oh, again, yeah. I know Dave Day and other folks have work, uh, written a lot on that idea of how do I think of myself as a leader? I don't need to be in a formal position to be a leader, to have influence. And yep. so how does that work? I think is an important one as we move forward. One of the things we're are thinking about within the uh, Air Force is, you know, Congress has decided or the president decided that we're going to have a space force. So how do we, what are differences as we grow up people, we've been, because the space force is now going to be um, a part of the air force. So how do we, what are those differences in terms of what do people really need to know by domain? That's something that's always kind of fascinated me too. Yeah. We talk about, oh, leadership in the military, like it's something totally different than leadership in higher education. There are differences, right? Yeah, yeah. But we could probably go effective leadership, maybe 70 to 80% of effective leadership is, is uh, across domain. Yeah. And do you communicate, you know, do you take care of your people? Do you, you, you know, those, how are you making decisions? Are you inclusive? Yep. Are you building diverse teams? I don't care where you're at. There are some, certainly some contextual factors. Don't, yep. don't get me wrong. But, but if I'm going to be effective as a leader, those are things that I need to know. So what are those domain specific differences that really are different and what are they, what are they similar? And yeah. so, so, so those are some of the, the things that I look at as, as I think about what would be interesting to think about. And of course, open to other ideas as well in terms of, of, of what topics that people might have in terms of that. And then again, we always continue to have conversations with, with leaders in different domains. So what does that look like? So we talk to, we talk to people in the sports domain, like we've talked to Kurt Warner, Bob Stoops, Chad Hennings, pro athletes on that side. What is it that they know about leadership and how does that help inform us on in other domains? We yeah. talked to the Marvin Berkowitzes, the Dave Days, the Barbara Kellermans, the, the Bernard Banks and say, what are we finding out from the academic side and how do we pull that together? We look at people in the nonprofit side of things like the like David Altman from CCL or Anthony Hassan at, at Cohen Veterans Network. Um, what are you finding in the nonprofit side? So for for another thing that we try to do is that we want to be that integrator. So how are we taking it. taking that, right? We talked to Howard Behar at Starbucks or James Cameron at Walmart. And what are they learning from their domains that teach us how to be better people, better leaders, better team builders. Yeah. And because we really don't have that integrating function, I don't think um, across across the board or from the consultant side, you know, Rob Kaiser, you know, doing his work in terms of consulting or, or, yeah. or G- Gordy Curfee doing stuff on, on teams. What are they finding? So uh, it's, it's a pretty beautiful space because yeah. I get to be in that space of pulling that information together going, okay, let's talk uh, across these different domains. And so it's a lot of fun. So I, unfortunately, the, the, the challenge with that is most of what I get caught up reading and, and involved in is not always, you know, oh, what's the latest book you're reading? Well, I don't know. I got 12 manuscripts I'm taking a look at that, <laughs> that really broaden. And, and so I don't always get to do that as much as, uh, as I want to. Yeah, on my own reading, but I am reading. I'm in I'm in the literature every day, doing different things. But wh- how I define literature is 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 now broader than just the academic uh, literature. It, yeah. You know, if I see something maybe in Forbes, I'll track that person down and go, "Hey, I know you talked about this in Forbes. 
what's what's going on behind that? Where did that come from? Where did that yeah. that two minute nugget that you put out there on forums? Let's dig down deeper into that. So that's a little bit of mining that way. That's fun about my job that I get to do in reaching out to the community. That's so awesome. And an issue on the Space Force would be really fun. It would, wouldn't it? I mean, <laughs> what what's it going to be? I mean, the wrestling. Yes. I, I mean, things as as that seem maybe very benign to people like uniforms, heraldry, yes, reporting, all of that kind of stuff is just, it's fascinating from a human capital development and identity standpoint. You know, I, I spent 10 years in the Air Force and now I'm part of the Space Force. What's yes. that like? Good luck, yes. right? Yes. And, and there's no precedent. And there's, and there's an opportunity to, in some ways, build from the ground up that doesn't exist in other opportunities, right? I mean, absolutely. I, to your point, the yeah, the the closest I can come is just watching a lot of Star Trek and hoping I pick up some <laughs> stuff, right? <laughs> right. I mean, but but that's so interesting, right? That that yeah. whole idea of you know Star Trek. There's there's some obviously some naval heritage in there too, oh, yeah. and so how do you be that different starting from the ground up, but still kind of paying honor to some of the other services and how that fits in? And yeah. oh man, it's just fascinating. So there'll be something yeah. in there uh, moving forward. But again, it's not just about the military. What does nonprofit have to tell us about that? What is business, right? Businesses spur off other businesses all the time that create yeah. different cultures, different identities. Uh, they sell off pieces. What does that look? There's good information there that can help inform how we are and, and what we're going to be different. I mean, they don't have the lethality component that we have in the military, but that's okay. Yeah. Because there, but it's people are people. And, and how are we thinking about that human capital development and how are we developing character and leadership? And what does that look like? That's all going to be fascinating, I think. Yeah. Well, if you want to start tweeting with me at Elon Musk, we'll get an interview with him, see what his, his perspective is. I'm in. Uh, I know that's, uh, that sounds great. I think he's got a lot of different perspectives. Um, that Whether you agree kind of with that or not, yeah. that thought process is fascinating, right? Yeah. What yeah. Jeff Bezos is thinking about, whether you agree with it or whether the process is or, or uh, you know, where all that fits, that idea of thinking about multi, multi-billion dollar, trillion dollar and now almost industries yeah. is fascinating. Yeah. The work, how do you manage your workforce? The minimum wage. Um, I, you know, I heard, you know, recently that, that, you know, Amazon's got cameras in their trucks. Well, yeah. you know, f that's fine from a performance standpoint, but what about context when a, dr a driver has to stop to help out a mo motorist that's stranded on the side of the road, yeah. being a good corporate citizen but that's probably going to take a ding on their performance metric because the package was 12 minutes late. Yeah. Fascinating, right? Lots yeah. of good stuff to talk about there. Yep. You start going after Bezos, I'll start going after Musk, and we will put together a special issue on the Space Force. Copy that. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. Love to do that. Uh, love to do that. I will be your first volunteer for that issue. But good I, deal. I, love, I love it because there's... I love a lot of what you've said, obviously. I mean, the, the integrative perspective, looking at nonprofits. I mean, you have a really fascinating organization in your backyard, the Kansas Leadership Center. They're doing some really incredible things. I've had Ed, Oma um, Ed O'Malley on the podcast, and, and they're doing cool work. And they've really mobilized their, their alums in really interesting ways during the pandemic and created leadership opportunities for their alums in their communities and so, of course, we can learn from that. We can learn from McDonald's and their experience. We can learn from Star Trek and the values of diversity baked into that whole 
script, that whole narrative, diversity was a major component of that work and that piece of literature and uh, TV and film, of course, as well. So looking at all these places, it's so awesome, right? It is. And the beauty about what we do with the JCLD is um, we are in a space where we are able to reach out to a Kansas Leadership Center and go, tell us what you're doing, what's working, what's yeah. what's what's not, and what's resonating. And pr- provide an outlet for that information that doesn't currently exist. I mean, LQ, I mean, phenomenal publication. I mean, yep. uh, the, gold, the gold standard in terms of leadership research and what's being done in the, in the field, we're not in competition with that. We, we provide an, a different lens and, yep. an, uh, and to be able to augment the leadership conversation, we like to bring character into that because, again, we do believe it is about who you are. Is, yeah. is, it has to influence who you are uh, in, in terms of leading in the situation. So but to your point exactly, that allows us to reach out. And what we're finding is there are many organizations out there doing phenomenal work in this space. And we just don't have an, a venue yep. where we can highlight these organizations doing this great work. And so we, we also uh, get to be in that space, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, sir, we're going to land the plane, so to speak. And <laughs> so, so I always end off these conversations with just, an, and you've kind of answered it. You're reading a lot of manuscripts. But maybe if you think over the last year, as we've been kind of sheltering in place, so to speak, and uh, is there anything that's caught your mind? You've been streaming, watching, uh, listening to. It doesn't have to do with leadership. Just something that's that's caught your attention. That's a that's a great question, and I I, I think I'm a bit eclectic in my approach, and so. Yeah. Because of what I do, I try to to listen to a lot of different things and I try and take snippets from a lot of different things. And so uh, I just, you know, uh, last month just reread a book that I've read uh, multiple times um, by Marshall uh, Goldsmith, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. Uh, Just as a constant reminder to me of my own development and how I'm developing. And so, you know, I'll I'll listen to some, uh, you know, military podcasts just to get a context on what's the flavor going on there. I'll try to... uh, you know, stay connected to HBR IdeaCast. Uh, yep. Harvard Business Review has that, which is is a good one. Obviously, yours, uh, Fernesis, I, I listen to see there uh, too, because I like the connections. I like the stories, right? So yeah. we, you know, had a great conversation with Barbara Kellerman uh, a little over a year ago, and I know you did a, a conversation with her. And so being able to listen to both of those and kind of get yeah. the connection space in there. So I, I approach it, I think, a little bit different because I like to see connections, themes, and, and where that is. So a lot of that is is um, uh, in there. And so I become aware of things like that book, Rotten, I mentioned, uh, yeah. was brought to my attention. So I'm, I'm currently uh, looking at that one uh, right now is where, uh, uh, as right now I'm, I'm reading a book, uh, The Culture Code by yep. Coyle, taking a look at that one um, that was recommended to me. So I, I end up getting a lot of ones recommended to me that I, I do that. So I try and stay active in a lot of those spaces, but not as active as I, as I can. So I appreciate folks like you that are that are taking the time to do this and, and put it out there in, in such an accessible format because it's it's really easy to kind of I'm kind of a, a traditionalist and I like to read stuff and so yeah. I'm then there but man being when you're traveling around doing different things being able to jump into a podcast yeah. phenomenal and so I appreciate uh, I appreciate that yeah it's been a lot of fun I've been like I said I've been meeting people and having conversations with folks from all over the world this last year and it's just been 
so much fun. And again, some of the time I'm, I don't understand the conversation. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast I, I, I released today, it's about uh, kind of our shadow, our shadow in a Jungian sense fascinating conversation, but I need to explore it a little bit more. And again, some of the conversations I've gotten into with Mary Ulbeen or Dave Snowden around complexity and that whole space. Oh, uh, wow. You know, Willie Donaldson. Oh my gosh. Right. But it's fun because we're, we're, we're both in very different ways being stretched because stuff's coming across your desk and you're reading and being stretched, I'm sure. And I'm being stretched in these conversations and it's just so much fun. It is. And man, it just gives me a, a great appreciation for people who will spend 10, 12 years in a particular yeah. domain, understanding a construct in that that depth so that it's there. And yeah. then what I try to do is help to leverage that to be in that accessible space. Okay, so as a new leader, what is it or as a current leader, what does that mean to me? It's kind of like the old Academy of Management executive, what yes. that used to do, right? What is the digestible piece of that yes. and how does that help? So a lot of times what we try to do with our authors is give us so what piece set. What's the, what's the takeaway? So here's yep. what the story is. Here's where we're coming from. And here are a couple of things, not necessarily a laundry list, but here's some things to consider as a leader, as you develop that you can do. So we really try to focus on that, on that practical side. Yeah. Yeah. Because if, if you're talking with, well, when I was talking with Dave Snowden and Mary Boone, yeah, they can go to 50,000 feet, but exactly. I mean, this, this whole thing's called practical wisdom. What's the practical wisdom in that? What's give me a couple things to hold on to here so that I can walk away. And I think their HBR article does that beautifully. The article was called the leader's framework for decision-making 2007 in HBR. And it was just, it's incredible, but yeah, he can go 50,000 feet pretty quick. And and I'm kind of holding on for <laughs> reaching for the oxygen mask, trying to go, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stay with you. Um, but, I don't but even know what to say next. I just say, right. so tell me more. <laughs> that's right. That's Because it is fascinating, right? Because yeah. it's all connected, yeah. right? That goes back to that point before is as leaders, we need to be open to the fact that, that we can learn from our oh, other yeah. domains, that it's not just about we, we learned quickly, right? Technical expertise is the, the ticket into the room. But once you get there, you know, it's all that other stuff that kind of goes with it. Yep. Yep. Uh, well, Doug, so good to meet you. I uh, really appreciate the conversation. Thank you for the incredible work that you're doing. And uh, I will put information in the show notes so that people can get in touch with you. And uh, just thank you so much. I appreciate it. No, it's, it's been my pleasure. Thanks for what you're doing. It's, a, it's been a, a fun being here, having a conversation with you. <laughs> okay. Be well, sir. Thank you. I am becoming acutely aware of the fact that I overuse the word fascinating and the phrase, I love it. But you know what? I do. I do. And it's conversations like this with Doug that fire me up, that fuel me. He has an interesting perspective. I, I loved the phrasing, necessarily different. Uh, JCLD is looking at this topic of leadership through multiple lenses, the lenses of nonprofits, athletics, the military, academic, practitioner, multiple lenses. And I think through that lens, we can see a greater picture of the whole. And Doug is at the nexus of some of that work. And I think it absolutely is such a wonderful opportunity and incredible contribution. And there was another phrasing, and I don't think it, he attributed it to himself, but it was something else that is just going to stick with me. I hadn't heard it before, 
but who you are is how you lead. The practical wisdom for me is who are you? <laughs> because that's going to determine how you lead. But another piece in all of this is, are you looking to multiple sources to help make better sense of this thing called leadership? As always, thank you so much for checking in. I hope each one of you are well. Take care, and thanks for listening. You, my friend, have just finished another episode of Phronesis Practical Wisdom for Leaders. To get in touch with me, visit www.scottjallen.net or send me a note at scott at scottjallen.net. I can also be found on Twitter and on LinkedIn. Now, if you have feedback, I would love to hear it. And as always, thank you so much for listening to Phronesis. If you like Phronesis, I have a second podcast. It's called the Captovation Podcast. That's with an O, Captovation Podcast, where I speak with experts on the topic of designing and delivering incredible presentations. And now, Kate's twin sister, Emily, with the outro. You've been listening to Phronesis, Practical Wisdom with Scott Allen.